Welcome to the Mandalorian Podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial podcast for the Outer Rim. My name is Matt, and joining me in the co-pilot seat is Pete. Hello, the Pete. What up, all my Mandos and Mandats? The Mandalorian Podcast by Fantastic Geek dons our helmets for Chapter 12, The Siege. Pete, have to mention that in the galaxy far, far away in the last week, there, of course, was the almost completely 100% canonical Lego Star Wars special, uh, holiday special, Pete. Uh, and we're going to be talking about that uh, over on Patreon. Yes, Matt, we will be delivering to our patrons on Patreon.com our impressions of the Lego Star Wars special. As you said yesterday when we did our Discovery, uh, Star Trek Discovery podcast, definitely not the worst Star Wars special of all time. Uh, it, it, it is a fun, uh, it, it is a fun story over there on Disney Plus, and uh, great to see some of the movie actors participating in it, voice wise. Uh, j- just another example of the richness of Star Wars that's out there. Absolutely excited to talk about it. With that, it's time to hit the hunt. Malfunctioning hyperdrive Millennium Falcon noises sound before the Razor Crest creeps into focus. Mando's at the helm, and the unseen child is trying to help him with repairs as an alarm sounds. In a cramped, for even him, conduit, the child has the red wire and the blue wire in his hands. Now, Mando needs him to plug the red wire where the blue wire goes. Put the red one where the blue one goes. But don't let them touch. Pete, this an extended comedy scene to, of course, among other things. I mean, it's, it's wonderful and independent and funny on its own. But let's not forget, Pete, they are totally at this moment totally headed to go see Ahsoka Tano, the live-action debut of this beloved character whom, you know, kind of hardcore Star Wars fans have seen go from Padawan to Jedi to post-Jedi. Side note, Pete, there have been complaints that uh, Mando is supposed to go see a Jedi, and technically she's not a Jedi because... All right, enough with that nonsense. But um, this is... My point is this, Pete... This is a story excuse, and I don't mean that in a pejorative way. This is a story excuse to say, hey, you know how we're headed to see Ahsoka? Not this week. Time to take a detour. Uh, Indeed, with the fizzling of the electric wires, what with red and blue touching, uh, and some great smoke effect as it comes out of the crawl space into Mando's mask. And and the the cough. Yes. The (laughs) cough, I I, I think... I think they had whatever fan made the cough breath to go through the smoke by the child. I think maybe it was turned up a little bit too much, but in that we're in this, you know, practical puppet, things are supposed to look real, but they don't look 100% perfect. Like, I think it completely works. Um, the boys here decide to soup up. Uh, we have the child noticing as Mando lifts his mask ever so slightly to take a couple soup sips. Uh, and they decide to go to Navarro, again, kind of clearly spelling out, yes, we're headed to advance the story of the Darksaber to meet Ahsoka wait, Tano. Wait, we're going to have a filler episode, the child looks up. 
This is not a filler episode when you get the gang back together. And when you do that, you have Carl Weathers, okay, uh, direct uh, what might be Pedro Pascal on the set. It's not, I can't tell from the, you know, inch of skin that appears, Matt. Um, or Eastwood's uh, grandkid, okay, and the be, child. Be, be John Wayne, not Clint Eastwood. I'm sorry. I'm you know I'm I'm going back to my my Boba Fett, you know, as uh, the good, the bad, the ugly Eastwood. Uh, sorry for the slip there. Had had the Western on the brain, uh, but Carl Weathers, stew, soup, child. It's it's all great. Okay, please stop saying this is filler when it advances plot. Furthermore, this episode follows the pattern of the series and the pattern of the first season, which is, you know, goal and objective, but it takes a meandering path because otherwise it would just be like, I mean, heck, Pete, this fits Star Wars. What's the what does the New Hope start with? We have a map that shows a flaw and then they spend two thirds of the movie trying to get the map to the people who can read the map. You know, it's all MacGuffins. It's all. I don't say wandering stories, but it's all like, let's go over here, let's go over there. But it's the whole conceit of Star Wars. And if you're watching this saying, I don't know why he doesn't just go to where he's supposed to go. Yeah, same thing. Princess Leia wanted that too. She wanted to get the plans back to Yavin 4, and it didn't exactly happen according to plan. So Matt, Star Wars has never told a story where the hyperdrive malfunctions and people can't get where they want to go. It's never happened. Ah, sarcasm, sarcasm. Uh, We see on Navarro in the former Armorer's Workshop. Pete, I know that there's a Star Wars species name for these guys. Uh, To me, they Uh, are either... Aquilish walrus men, Matt? They are either the buttheads, or maybe they have taken a page from the Men in Black uh, film series. Are these perhaps the Balchinians? I don't know. (laughs) This is the same alien that accosted Luke in the cantina in the original uh known as walrus man with the action figure the the species is aqualish the buttheads are about to <laughs> feast on a uh, a ferret which by the way is thankfully uh, a puppet as well i think that the way it gets thrown around one would have easily seen the difference between real ferret in the close-ups and then you know a doll of sorts as they're being rough to it so just make the whole thing a you know a puppet doll but between the red eyes and the i think intentionally at points stilted movement much like you said with the child you know we are we are clearly meant to know that these things are not real but in the most loving and detail-oriented way um, and, and also, I, I keep returning to something that was in the um, the uh, Disney Plus Imagineering documentary, um, w- you know, which now is a year old at this point. But when they were talking about creating Galaxy's Edge, uh, I think it was a Parks guy and not a Star Wars guy, although obviously he was working on Galaxy's Edge. But it was this notion that to get the Star Wars aesthetic it needs to be rooted in what you can make in our world in the late seventies or early eighties. And it always needs to return to that. And that has stuck with me ever since. Yes, you could do a CG ferret or you could do a real ferret. 
Um, I, I know the, uh, the, the art at the end of the episode showed the ferret creature breathing fire and that didn't make it into this episode. But if you're going to go for a weirdo alien, dial back to that seventies, eighties aesthetic where you can do some puppets and it looks okay because that's how star Wars creatures look. I have named space meerkat here, uh, dank ferret. <laughs> uh, but wait, Pete, what's that outside of the workshop? It's the Marshal. It is, Pete, a, a character that we can certainly revel in and enjoy. Pete, your Gina Carano kicks butt with her fists and gun. Uh, it, it is quite a good fight scene. There's, you know, the, the twirling around on the floor. At one point, uh, a dead or, or, or dying Balchinian is rolled over to be uh, to, to be the armor of sorts as another one shoots at her. Uh, and of course, Pete, she also saves the ferret because uh, Cara Dune has a respect for all life forms. Clearly crafted for the performer in, in terms of the physical action here. What with knives and MMA stuff, uh, blasting the last one. Okay, no one's going to eat the little guy today. Dank ferret. Um, and uh, apparently he hasn't read her tweets. And the fact that she's feeding him uh, is going to allow her to return the stuff to the rightful owners. Title card, Chapter 12, The Siege. We have Mando landing outside uh, Dirt City, I believe we called uh, it, Pete. Excuse me, Matt. My notes clearly say, and there's a trademark after it, Mud City. We Mud City. named it Mud City. Okay. Uh, it will forever be known as Mud City. Anybody want to go on Wikipedia? I'm not doing it. And, and call it Mud City on the planet of Navarro. Um by the way, Pete, speaking of Wikipedia, I, I think we had this conversation. I don't know whether it was on mic for the podcast um, last week. I know two weeks ago we were doing a little comparison between Memory Alpha, the Star Trek Wikipedia, and what um, the, the Star Trek Wiki, and what counts as canon versus Star Wars. And uh, update, if we did not say it on, my, uh, on mic last week, um, it seems uh, Star Wars has a more lax policy, and I'm not being critical i'm just saying that appears to be the policy for example if dave filoni says oh it says in an interview with uh you know whatever starwars.com uh oh the name of this city it's not set on screen but the name of this city is bleep boop plop then that is considered official within the realm of star wars so just an update there in the, in the debate i find myself heading to wikipedia to be like wait why is there a link for bandana kid oh wait bandana kid now has three paragraphs in his um in his entry on wikipedia but he was just a kid in the school that gave cookies <laughs> does, but does he really have are you being facetious or does he really have three paragraphs on wikipedia um uh, i will check right it might not be All three right. paragraphs it, i believe it's concerned for just a second um um bandana kid i i think he has i, I believe as i recall it's it's a hearty one paragraph but my point being and again i'm truly not being critical here of what wikipedia has have your internal you know logic as as you might um but it's way more comprehensive than i think is necessary for the character but you know but uh that's okay it is okay 
Mando shuts down an alarm here as Mud City comes into view. And the rickety Razor Crest puts down as Cara Dune and Grief Karga stand by. Uh, Grief Karga has a, a new outfit for Mando Monday merch. Uh, and he's let his beard go white because it's stressful, too, on Navarro. Shades of Lando being all respectable. The rear ramp lowers halfway. Someone could use some repairs, Mando. Uh, and indeed, Pete, they shake hands like Roman men do. You know, not yeah. hand to hand, but... Like Schwarzenegger and Apollo Creed do in The Predator. Similar, certainly. Um, the mayor, Grief Cargo. I know technically he's a magistrate. It's a Western aesthetic. He's the mayor, she's the sheriff marshal you know the gunslinger has returned etc um grief cargo is going to get the best people to fix up the ship uh he sends them to it the camera of course lingering on the orange-faced repairman pete let's call him Chekhov's gun if you will i call him bug face <laughs> um the main street, by the way, it's a hopping place now. Food stalls, shops. It feels like, Pete, it could be a regular Batu. In fact, where can you get the mouse ears? That's the one thing missing. Um, the former cantina is now a school. Uh, and Pete, we go in the school, though, did you, did you see it? I had Pete, to tip you off to it. I looked for it and could not find it. Was it here? Yes. So behind the school... And if you haven't seen it, you can go back and watch it. There has now been a statue erected to IG-11. Tear, tear. If only there was a way to bring him back like IG-12. Um, Pete, this school is a convenient place to drop off your expensive $2 million puppet, which you do not want to bring for running and gunning sequences. Settle down, class. Uh, the Child Eyes Bandana Kids cookies uh, and Bandana what, Kids. What kind of cookies are those, Matt? Uh, Pete, I believe they, well, they're blue cookies. They're turquoise, um, yes. Uh, in fact, I'm on Wikipedia right now. I know that there's the article, no joke, the article about the cookies is longer than the article about Bandana Kid. And this um, is why I love Star Wars. Um, uh, Pete, I'll, I'll just to give you the, the, the the highest uh, highlights here. Let's see. It's a blue cookie. It's edible by humans and Yoda species. Uh, around nine ABY, a male student learning from a protocol droid. This is this is Wikipedia, Pete. Um, so there you go, uh, Pete. I know that they look like macarons, uh, which is different. Uh, it's than... actually pronounced uh, macarons. Well, there you go. Um, maybe that's. Maybe this is the food stuff that one day, um, a long time after, in a different galaxy, will inspire um, the, 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 the French suite, if you will. It's completely canonical. Uh, as the child is plopped down in the desk here, you know, because we, we need to talk business without the kid. Wait, Matt. Where I go, he goes. I said it in the trailer. I said it once before, but no, no, Mando. Uh, Cara Dune gives uh, Mando her word here for what that's worth. And we're going to drop the child. There are uh, references of plenty 
here, you've got the little girl with the Ray hairstyle a couple seats back. You've got references to the mid-rim, the capital having moved off Coruscant. Uh, it's now on a rotating basis, uh, not mentioned here, but it is on the world of Chandrilla. We'll talk a little bit about that in theory, set something potentially up. Uh, there's also a reference to uh, Solo, a Star Wars story, the Achates Maelstrom. You know what surrounds Kessel, okay? Uh, but then all these children see a reenactment of the, uh, the scene from Napoleon Dynamite where uh, the child wants the tots here and then uses the force in front of all of them. Pete, we all remember the scene in Napoleon Dynamite where uh, he uses the force to get tater tots. Also, oh my goodness, Pete, uh, Napoleon Dynamite, I believe released by Fox Searchlight, which means Napoleon Dynamite now part of the Disney Empire, which means could you have um, Dynapole Napoleon might uh, show up at <laughs> please, some point? Please. Uh, I Wait, would imagine. Is the, is the kid next to him? Could he get really hot under all that hair and a bandana one day and decide to shave it all off? I think that the Star Wars version of Napoleon Dynamite would be a, um, oh goodness, I'm about to lose my geek cred here. Admiral Akbar's species. Really, Matt? Mon Calamari? The Mon, right, there you go. A Mon Calamari with glasses. Uh, well, he's got the boots, for sure. Okay. <sighs> Next next place, maybe it's going to be Corvus, wherever Mando puts in. It's going to be a curly-headed dude wearing a vote for Pedro for uh, Galactic Senator. In Orabesh. Oh, my goodness. It would sell itself. Oh, the white t-shirt, red Orabesh, vote for Pedro. Sign, sign me up. Okay. I have no artistic ability. I have next to no commercial ability. I can't make that on Etsy. Okay. Uh, somebody do it, and I will buy it. Or just send it to Fantastic Geek. That might be more makeable than not. Uh, that might require some digging. Pete, let's head back, though, to the mayor's office where Mithral, you remember Mithral, he's back working off his debts for a creative accounting. That's right, Pete. You can be held accountable for ac accounting fraud. And even if you think you're going to escape, guess what? Justice will catch up with you. Um, but hey, Mando, of course, Mithril nervous to see Mando. Uh, but hey, Mando, want to help with a mission of the week? It's explained via a map. I guess it's not a walk and talk, but it's like a map and talk. Here's the green zone. It is green, completely safe. But on the other side of the planet is a red Imperial base. Red, bad, green, good. Why hasn't it been abandoned? I mean, it's mostly abandoned, but it's just like no... No big deal. Let's strip the guns, sell it on the black market. Also, hashtag free the planet. Um, well, they don't want to sell the guns. Grief is concerned that the black market will be attracted to it uh, and it'll continue to give them problems. He just wants them off the planet. They can become a trade anchor for the entire sector. Just back to Mithral for a second. Horatio Sands here back wonderful return that they bring this character out of the carbonite 350 year debt to uh to grief and that he still can't see out of his left eye because carbonite sickness matt 
Also, it goes to show the different, and again, this is not a value judgment, just the different aesthetics for Star Wars and Star Trek. This week in Star Trek, uh, blue-skinned people were making workers work for the rest of their lives, and it was called slavery. This week in Star Wars, uh, the blue-skinned guy is being forced to work off a life debt, presumably for the rest of his life. We don't know the the lifespan of his species. Dude, he, he got at least... 130 years off his sentence in this episode alone. Pete, Magistrate Grief Karga is a kind man. Uh, in fact, he's so kind, he's going to have Mithril drive the speeder on over. So the four, that's your Mando, your Caradun, your Grief Karga, and your Mithril get into the, uh, the land speeder and drive on over to that base with Karga noting that all they need to do is overload the reactor um, which is true, and again, I think I always continue to marvel at how simply constructed the plots are uh, for the show, and I know for some people it's a source of frustration. I think back to the fact that season one was nominated for Best Drama, and people were saying, but it's such a basic show. Well, it's, it's, it's direct in its storytelling, the way, you know, oldie time legends oftentimes are you know the tortoise and the hare has been told for thousands of years because the thing's got staying power same thing here go overload the reactor it's a it's literally a one button job or a one panel job and then there's adventure all along the way to get there and back and you get some bonuses at the end and some complication no less i mean it, it's it's all there but it's so much more complex than that uh, pulling up to the the Bond base, reminiscent to the planet Edu in Rogue One, you know, a scientific uh, base where uh, Jin Erso's father uh, was was being kept and did his work on the Death Star, Matt, because you know visual cues uh, and scientific news forthcoming. Stardust. Uh, they try the f what they call to be the front door. I get it that it's a well. It's, it's the they say it's the front door. Therefore, it is. That's fine. Uh, initially, there's trouble getting that open, even with uh, Mithril using the zapper to zap the zap. Uh, Mando flies up. Um, ultimately, after a stormtrooper is sent uh, down the fast way, the elevator door opens up, uh, and with the four now all reunited it doesn't look that empty after all uh, also pete there's a trexler marauder over there it's covered by a tarp so i assume it's not going to get used in the episode but just note there's a trexler marauder over there which is similar to but not the same as the troop transport toy slash animated slash live action uh troop transport and it's in mint condition and the guy who calls that out also is a gigantic star wars fan uh, in real life and on SNL did the uh, the skit about uh, Star Wars fans uh, who collect toys, myself included, being total uh, geeks. Horatio Sands! Th th that's how they call the cast members during the credits for yeah. SNL for our international audience. I might not know that that's how you're named on SNL. Anyhow, Pete, in the HQ control room thing... A lackey is wondering what happened to the Shuttle Bay camera feed. Uh, come on in, Shuttle Bay. Shuttle Bay, are you there? Uh, our quartet quickly takes him out, 
and grief uh, also uh, takes from him what later revealed to be a key, a uh, key rod thing. They sneak toward the core, uh, which indeed is above the lava flow. Mithril notes, as always, the great imperial flaw there is no there are no osha regulations that's your health in the workplace thing uh meaning that there's no railings i love that they lean into that yes that obi-wan did this on the death star around the tractor control and that the uh, coolant line controls are clearly the same way is great he turns them off it begins to burp and bubble we have 10 minutes at most, Matt, and reinforcements call in. So what do you know? We're going to go down a hallway where scientists are purging drives and then rapidly go from purging to destroying and our quartet take them out. And then there are built into the cavernous volcanic walls. There are uh, glass tubes with test subjects. Uh, there is one that what we can make out has a head with a crack in it. And then Ludwig Gorenson quotes John Williams Snoke theme from the last Jedi. What the, I thought this was a forward operating base, not a lab that connects this to the sequel trilogy. There you go. Can we say hashtag it's all connected also, Pete, though those two scientists might be now DOA, uh, I bet certain actresses can still follow them on Parlor. Um, Mithril texts the tech and uh, finds a recording from Dr. Pershing. Great to see Dr. Pershing return. Uh, it, it's funny, seeing him again, it brought me back to the the earlier part of the first season where we didn't know chapter the three. rules of the show. Well, yeah, well, specifically chapter three, but just it was at a it was at a point where we didn't have a sense of what the show looked like um just in terms of its flow from episode to episode so the idea being hey they hired this guy to play a doctor character hey he was in the preview okay he didn't show up in the first episode he didn't show up in, hey he showed up in the third episode he's going to be around a lot right as opposed to you know these episodes being that kind of very unique combination of very self-contained but also serial um, but anyhow, he's back. He notes initially promising results. The test bodies have rejected the blood. Uh, and the blood, of course, was from the donor that had a hugely high, hang out your seats here, M count. Um, wait, 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 Matt, M. It had a lot of M in it? Um, Pete, I think they're talking about the midichlorians here. I'm not. Shh. Uh, are, are you even. Do we want to jeopardize our apple rating by you uttering that word i'm gonna ask you right now i know we're on mic i know we're recording you're gonna need to go back and, and bleep that out right you're gonna jeopardize our rating pete i think that it, it, i think that we can we can stick with what we recorded uh pershing also does note that the initial supply of blood is gone and the experiments can only continue with access to the donor is everyone clear at as we approach the one third, no, pardon me. This is the the halfway point. As we as we hit the halfway of the season, are we clear what the stakes are, what the wants are, the needs, etc.? Uh, I know Doctor Pershing is, and I will not disappoint you, Moff Gideon. Psh, message ends. Wait, that must be old. Moff Gideon is dead. 
No, says Mithril. The recording is three days old. Moff Gideon is alive. Who's ready for one heck of a second half of season two? It uh, should be noted, too, that Dr. Pershing says that the child is small and he was only able to get a limited supply without killing it. So, as you said before, and I'll only echo, halfway through our eight-episode season, they want the baby, they want to kill it to get all the blood. Because why would you keep it around and continue to get blood out of it. Uh, something tells me, Pete, that the Empire is not great at cultivating natural resources. Renewable um, resources? There you go. Uh, it's time for everyone to split, though. Let's not forget, tick-tock, tick-tock, we have ten minutes till the reactor core blows. Wait, how long did you say? Well, it was ten minutes. Now it's even less, as Mithril. How long did you say? Uh, initially ten. How long did you say? Uh, it, it was 10. I'm, uh, I'm echoing Mithril at, at one point, and I, I love that that's even put into dialogue that story clock, story clock, oh yes, and the child we've now put another bounty on potentially to kill, because remember, Matt, we can bring him in cold, we can bring him in warm, he was worth a little bit more extra, because renewable resource, but as long as we can still get what we need out of them, we'll pay you those Imperial credits. Uh, Mando plans to jet back uh, to the town, to his ship, uh, while the other three head to the speeder. Copious use here of what I suspect, Pete, is probably the one hallway with a you know, a T-shaped junction at the end. Uh, Mando runs through that hallway. They do a wipe pan to suggest it's another hallway as the other three run through uh, and so forth. Listen, Matt, just because when the pandemic is over, I'm already looking into architects to, you know, reflect that in my home. Doesn't make me a bad person. You just need a bunch of LED walls. That's all you need. <laughs> um Mando ultimately takes off, and uh, just as our, our other three heroes end up in the shuttle bay, they can't get to the elevator because stormtroopers are coming out of it. Time to use that transport. You know, Pete, the one that got referenced earlier? Um, Cara Dune um, gets it going, has them hop in there. She's going to race through the base. Nope, door closed. Instead, she turns around. Down the cliff they go. Light speed to Endor. Oh, wait, Pete. Wrong ride. Although this is an awful good one. And, uh, of course, the troop transport lands squarely on Mithril's speeder. Sorry, Mithril. It's great. The speeder bikes and the biker scouts give chase downhill. We've never seen that before. Uh, one gets caught between an outcropping and, and blows up. There is cost. There are stakes. Uh, Grief Karga is directed back into the Millennium Falcon gun in the back of this modified Imperial transport. Um, there are the biker scouts that catch up. One is crushed on the, uh, the right side between the canyon and the vehicle itself. One biker scout finally makes it the last one onto the roof of the vehicle. He's got the thermal detonator in his hand 
and great dramatic tension here. Carl Weathers does a tremendous job directing in this universe to finally wind up uh, with him in the crosshairs and kaboom and just the helmet coming to rest on the floor of the canyon is great, great stuff. But Matt, take us to the top of the Bond base Imperial airfield with those Outlander TIE fighters. Yes, all of a sudden the TIE fighters, which which were in the background of that uh, shuttle bay, uh, eagle-eyed viewers will note, um, they then fly out. We have essentially another trench run, this one through the, the Rocky Canyon. Um, you know, your standard running and gunning, and, you know, there's a there's a, a missile lock, if you will. You know, the, the, the aim is had, then it's lost. Uh, and firing of the cannon and all that. Finally, they clear the, the canyon, which feels triumphant for us, but you can see now that there's even more room for the TIE fighters to be flying around. Um, You're leaving off the tension, though, that they took one of them out and that it crushed Grief Karga's cannon. Uh, real feel of tension here before what's coming. That's true. The, so, so as they hit the, as they in the transport hit the flats, there now is no uh, offensive gun for them. Is this curtains for heroes? Suddenly, the Tie Fighters uh, start to get shot out of the sky. It's the the Razor Crest uh, now fixed to the rescue. Pete, you can tell on the outside there's less wobbly stuff, and on the inside there's no more cable rope holding things <laughs> together. So therefore, it's fixed. Um, the remaining ties are shot out of the skies, uh, with the razor crest doing tilts and turns that also communicate, Hey, the ship is fixed. Uh, I do like the one moment where kind of the razor crest, uh, for lack of a better word, crests all the way to the top, it kind of reaches, reaches the highest highs. Then, you know, either there's a stall or he cuts the engines or whatever, the but then turns breaks. around. Yeah. Just the whole thing is great. Um, spinning. As... I should try spinning. That's a good trick. Spinning is a good trick. Unfortunately, Pete, that may be a factor in the child throwing up his blue cookies. <laughs> um, he he dabs at it. And I'm kind of looking at it going, oh, my goodness. I mean, I'm sure the puppet, there's got to be multiple outfits to go over the puppet. But I'm like, there's some poor person that's that worked really hard to make the tunic. And now they need to dry clean the tunic as the other, you know, blah, 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 blah. But Pete. Listen, they're, they're going to sell a vomiting child at some point. <laughs> It's, it's coming and and with great reason and great need okay and that somebody took the macaron and distilled it to liquid form in the same color and created a variant of the puppet that would expel it from the mouth again this is all the stuff we know and love uh with the conflict now over uh the story being very uh very quick in its delivery here mando would land share a drink with grief Karga, but he's got a jet oh also gotta escape before moff gideon might you know be on their case and so on and so forth really mando is just clear that it's towards the end of the episode and time to get a move on but uh grief Karga looking up at the sky um saying goodbye some time passes and we see some X-Wings outside of Mud City. Who called uh, the cops? Pete, somebody called the Popo. And uh, we see the Grief Karga. He's a little hazy about things. There was there was a Razor Crest, you know, these droids and they're scanning. You know, I can't think of too much officer. 
Uh, I'll be in touch. I'll send you a gram if you're out this far again. And also not part of the dialogue, but part of the blocking. As Carl Weathers is wrapping up the second half of this speech, he's physically walking to the door, not saying, let me show you out, but his body language saying, let me show you out. This is in Coruscant. Meanwhile, Cara Dune is out in the street feeding Dank Ferret. Uh, and the pilot here, still uh, formally unnamed on screen. Pete, I believe you're referring to Captain Carson Teva. Well, we had Carson. Uh, we never got the last name on screen there. But again, with the Wikipedia rules we've talked about, he's chatting marshall dune up here you know the records say that uh the job you've done cleaning the system here i don't know that she's cleaned up the system we know the Pete, there was a big green zone presumably that's because of <laughs> that's the marshall system that's a but that's part of a planet but she's quite a soldier but she's not a joiner blue um but carson maintains and maybe matt he he may have watched some star spores in the future because he knows something's going on out here but they don't believe him on the core worlds it's not isolated but they can't do it the rebellion the the new republic without mobile support if only they had a former um rebellion uh drop trooper uh, turned Marshal of Mud City. But anyway, uh, it says on her record here that she is from Alderaan. He served during Alderaan. Did she lose anyone, Matt? She says she lost everyone. And this is a great moment here because, um, as has been noted before, Star Wars oftentimes will paint in broad strokes, like the movies will paint in broad strokes, and then there's the other material to come on in to fill in some of the gaps. Pete, in our ignorance in 2015, when The Force Awakens came out, we said, how could there still be so many space Nazis that we didn't know about? Fast forward to uh, the conclusion of the sequel trilogy, uh, we're saying, oh, there are more Nazis than I thought. There are more fascists than I thought. There are more Wait. racists than I thought. Wait, Matt. Also in Star Wars. There's more, more of us than there are of them. Turns out, though, there's more of them than we thought. So I like, not that this scene is doing um, necessarily some sort, of, some sort of retcon, because we know from the sequel trilogy that from the end of the Empire to the public uh reveal of the the first order that these guys were out there and in secret and we've used the metaphor of at the time of north korea and, and so on and so forth but it fits here the here we are five six years after um the happy end and the toppling of statues and the death of the emperor and the battle of of endor and all of that of course there's going to be these whispers that something is not right and frankly if you're if, if in your happy, blissful ignorance, you're saying the past is the past and we have nothing but a bright new future, of course, in the core worlds, you're going to be saying there's nothing going on out there. Um, it all tracks with internal Star Wars story. Um, are they adding some social commentary? I suspect so. But that tends not to be 
the strong point of Star Wars to say, hey, analogy for today. But it all tracks internally, externally. And Pete, I love that he uh, he leaves her a New Republic badge. It's even got five points on it, much as a star might be. Um, and she kind of considers it, considers him as he walks away. Balls her fists here and then relax. Um, to an Imperial Star Destroyer-esque ship. I know there's the type and everything that comes along with that. We have a female communications officer who receives a hollow from Bug Eye Repair Dude who has planted the device as requested, and he will be rewarded in the new era that's totally not first order or the final order or any other order to come in a sequel trilogy um and he of course shares the info that the tracking beacon has been placed on the razor crest so again this a show that that in in its broad strokes uh communicates things very clearly it's not the three episode mystery of why did the camera linger on bug guy um and that's not a criticism that's just the milieu in which the show operates where things are a bit more clear like that. The mysteries are more, how are the things in the background working? The things in the foreground are quite, uh, quite clear to us. It's also reported that uh, he, the Mandalorian still has the asset, the child, uh, and they will be ready um, with that. The uh, who, who will be ready, Matt? Well, I mean, we have the communications officer going to see Moff Gideon himself. Um, and he's clearly prepping, frankly, the second half of the season. Um, there's all sorts of action <laughs> Can't going on. Can't you see I'm working on the second half of the season in here? Uh, I've just worked out my schedule between, uh, 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 not Breaking Bad, between Better Call Saul Better and, Call and the second half of this season. And also, uh, Pete, I won't tell you what show, but he's also in, uh, surprisingly, he shows up in another um popular show that is available uh not on disney plus not on netflix not on cbs all access uh he shows up to great uh to great uh impact um also kind of in a recurring fashion um how is he going to be ready though pete these uh what look on first glance stalls with tie fighter pilot uniforms matt i'm i'm gonna withhold until the next segment but they are definitively told to us. Uh, I'm going to tell you where in the next segment. Let's chase down some theories. So Pete, the deformed bodies in, you know, back to tanks, question mark, growth tanks, whatever it might be. Uh, I must confess, I did not catch uh, Ludwig Göransson quoting the Snoke theme, although I, I, I don't doubt you saying as such. I think my mind and probably most people's minds went to this being an early version of of that program of the Snoke clone thing that's going on. Or uh, the alien resurrection lab where they are cloning Ripley. <laughs> uh, also now part of the the disney empire i suppose it's all so. connected it's all connected but real talk i mean we don't need to definitively say 
that is a uh, emperor from the shadows led from Exegol clone attempt number four of uh, Snoke that will ultimately um, seduce uh, Luke Skywalker's nephew, uh, First Order, Final Order, Rise of Skywalker, because the trajectory's all there now. And, and whether that was Snoke Volume 1 or Snoke Volume 50 or even Snoke at all, what is happening here? They are using blood from a force enhanced species still unnamed uh they are injecting it into subjects volunteers uh it works for a time and then it's rejected they need more of it the child's in danger living or dead and they want to do bad things and you know where i'll end the theory segment today in a little bit is where maybe this show ends and even further uh tragifies uh the events of the sequel trilogy moving on to other dastardly imperial things here and i i know you have some uh some some info to share in a moment uh on second view the um the uniforms showed at the end first of all i think the show committing to a very mysterious lighting scheme for it may be overly so um looking at some of the concept art just to go back to the back bacta tanks for a moment they were more kind of backlit and the forms were still hazy but kind of more clearly misshapen uh and and, and more clearly mysterious versus like well, wait am the, i seeing what's thing? the takeaway they're they're doing bad experiments and and things died things also in tanks like you saw in a movie last december absolutely and for the uniforms at the very end um to me they looked a bit more angular than your standard tie fighter uh uniforms interesting what would you like to add to that pete well i'm going to continue to withhold for a little bit uh with that i want to talk about uh is the child grounded (laughs) emotionally spiritually or behaviorally which 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 way do you mean I, i I meant electrically, uh, but uh, we we can talk uh, with his misdeeds in this episode. He gets that charge, and it's a great moment early on in the episode that he's even used here, utilized in a repair capacity. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna put you in this this space in our ship. You're gonna go back. You're gonna take the red wire, okay, the the red one, and cross it with the no 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 the blue one. The, don't put them together. Uh, and then he gets electrified and then he's fine. Of course, he needs to be fine because the holdover um, Brazilian empire needs him to be fine. And I know there's been debate like, you know, is Mando a good father and is it appropriate to have a, a child of the child's developmental age in there? Let's not forget that Star Wars always is landing squarely in the realm of legends. And Pete, I don't mean lower, uh, uppercase L in terms of Star Wars legends. I just mean, you know, like the legend of Romulus and Remus were that they were abandoned twins and raised by wolves. Okay, that's probably not true because I think I know what wolves would do with nice 
meaty, slow-running, tender uh, twins sure. if they found them in the wilds. Um, so similarly, like, is it appropriate for a child of the child's developmental age to be there doing electrical work? No. However, it's appropriate in the world of Star Wars because I see it happening and because the resultant electric shock is not a big deal. It's played for comedy. So it's like, it is what it is. Um, I will say, Pete, I mean, we talked about emotional grounding and behavioral grounding. I will say this. Did you notice in the beginning of the episode um, and towards the end as well, he had that seatbelt on. So he was physically grounded to the chair. Hashtag buckle up. He responded to our criticisms in the previous episode in something that was written more than a year ago and filmed about a year ago. So I have no doubt that Dave Filoni heard the podcast he did. and pulled some people from doing special effects work for, uh, you know, for whatever ILM has been hired to do in, in this strange time. You know, maybe it's it's Justice League special effects shots or whatever. Uh, and he said, quick, you need to create uh, belt buckles for, you know, scenes uh you know 14b and uh 114a quick put them in there now so i can so i can satisfy the boys there yes and so the child can do without further terrifying us the uh hands up roller coaster sequence to the hold of the razor crest mat uh where you eat with the toilet in the background <laughs> is mando's diet because of the uh, Death Watch fundamentalism, entirely comprised of liquids? Um, that's an interesting question. I mean, let's not forget the, uh, the, the Walker episode, The Magnificent Seven, except they were a magnificent two and a half uh, last season. Um, he's not opposed to taking the helmet off in order to eat in privacy and yes we have the debate could the kids see in and whatnot and the story conceit being no they could not um i kind of read it a little bit more as mando doesn't mind bearing a little skin has his face been seen no his chin is not his face but is he willing to share a bit more with his space son yes and certainly the child takes note of that so again in this very narratively lean and efficient uh method that this show has they're not going to you know do a four minute scene on i cannot show you my face for there is a creed we're just going to get that little that little whiff as the child looks expectantly and curiously at him pedro pascal um one of the finalist honorees for sexiest men alive not the sexiest man alive 2020 that was uh, Michael B. Jordan. Um, but here, you know, it's just Sexiest Man Alive 2020 and 2,459. Having some some bone broth in front of the toilet. Uh, it, it's all good, man. How about Matt Chandrilla? You know, our current this story, capital of the universe. Do you know who hails from Chandrilla? I have no idea. That would be your Mon Mothma, our, our red-headed uh, senator, what from Return of the Jedi and Rogue One and... Um, A deleted scene same. of... Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, they, they, uh, it's not even an assumption anymore uh, that 
she is is helping to head the republic the awesome matt because rogue one same actress as revenge of the sith still out there hoping for that cameo at some point we really need to do that pete she is sort of uh um new republic uh alexander hamilton in terms of helping determine where the capital is going to be and 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 where the money people are and all of that that pete the the novel writes itself the you know i can just see it now at new york comic-con 2021 at the star wars book panel the person says the one sentence pitch from kathy and head of star wars publishing was hamilton meets mon mothma in the new republic in the early years of the new republic And, and boy i'm super excited about it says the author I can't wait. New York Comic Con, as you said, Matt, remains the room where it happens. Absolutely. Pete, what other theories do you have? And when will you talk to us about that final scene? <laughs> in a bit. <laughs> the mithril uh, in uh, Magistrate Karga's office, uh, he's talking to someone, and it's not Grief Karga, about the ship and that it matches the and he gets interrupted they they kind of give you i mean you said it before that you you see bug-eyed alien called over you see him look at mando and company as they head into mud city and then you know the third part of the arc is he he sends a transmission after unseen he has fixed and fixed the razor crest so complete story, beginning, middle, end. Um, but can Mithril really be trusted either? I mean, he did work off 130 years in this episode. Okay. So he's down to like 220. But, uh, you know, how's, how forgiving might the holdover remnant empire be in terms of uh, dismissing his debt? Can I trust this character? I wouldn't be completely surprised if it ends up that he had a hand in getting that transmission to the empire. Um, if that was baked into things as an implication uh, or as a possibility, you know, let's not forget this, this could have been written with that in mind, but with them, them saying, but we're not going to completely commit to it because Horatio Sands is great. We want to leave open the possibility that he's going to be the rogue turned beloved hero in the next uh in the next season or we want to completely condemn him or we want to not go in that direction at all let's just leave the flexibility um but i think that it is possible within his character that he's he's happy enough to kind of be the you know indentured servant um for these you know low these many hundreds of years uh ahead of him but he's not necessarily loving it either I love the gag of continuing to chip off years. I want that to be a thing as, as long as possible. Uh, and then maybe doing something bad to add years to it and then chip away. Uh, I, I'm, I'm here for it. Um, we said M count, Matt. Now, maybe you can explain to people who might be sensitive to uh the the use of and again don't jeopardize our apple podcast rating uh i love that in that line you know they don't want they're they're the contentiousness of the midichlorian scene in uh in episode one so the fact that they're gonna 
scienceify it on the one hand, and also I think demystify it or de um I'll say decanonize. I don't mean that in the strictest of senses. A newer audience member isn't who might not know a midichlorians and b all of that. Whoa, whoa, just whoa, 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 whoa! Careful there. To have to have the scientist character, the doctor Persian character, say, "I was a super high M count." All right. Well, just if that's your only knowledge of what's going on, you can say, "All right. Well, they tested for a thing." By the fact that it's called a count, they're counting for a thing, and he had a lot of it. Okay, great. Um, and if you are on the other end where you're a little eye-rolly towards, you know, uh, portions, large or small, of the prequel trilogy, this is kind of a way to pump the brakes a bit as well, but then also kind of give you the insidery scoop. Like, you really know what that means, even though these these scientists are trying to decode it. Matt, I know from The Phantom Menace that only Master Yoda has one that high, as high as Anakin Skywalker, the child who got trained too late because he was a child. This child being 50 years old already, and again, all things being relative. Um, moving it forward here, you know, with the guy what said the M count here, Dr. Pershing and so glad to have him back i want more of him more so i want to know because the guy's clearly conflicted he was protecting the child he wanted it alive still wants it alive but he is being made to do things by moff gideon um can he become good can he switch can he become one of our our rogues Oh, oh, yes, Pete. Let's be very sympathetic for this guy who's part of the institution, who's part of the problem, who's being told, let's do the M count again. Oh, wait, we don't have enough. Is there a way that we can find more things to count? Because I didn't like the count the first time. Oh, I'm just a cog in the machine. I'm just doing what I'm told to do. I'm just, this is just, this is just, you know, going along with my empirical principles. It's not, I'm not really a source of the problem. I'm just doing what the boss says. Let's keep the count going for the M count. No, 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 Pete. I say, though though the actor gives some sympathy to Pershing, and I appreciate the fact that the show is not going to paint all the villains with Werner Herzog, you know, kind of German Nazi glee in terms of it is the old ways and your Beskar steel is best in the hands of, uh, you know, the, the, the traditional people that we would like to wipe out. It's best Artisans. when they can. Indeed, you know, kind of all that, I mean, all the coded Nazism and fascism that, that season one um, gets a whiff of with, you know, w with the client character. Um, yes. The, the doctor, is a little bit more sympathetic. But Pete, he does not get a pass from me. He does not get a pardon from me. I say he will be held accountable fully uh, by by the story. And maybe maybe it might be a bittersweet death, but, uh, but I think, you know, in Star Wars, justice served with a bit of death. There is good in him, though. I've, I've felt it. Well, maybe he should have used that good to, uh, I don't know, not uh, do experiments that lead to misshapen dead uh, bodies in the uh, in the back to tanks. We know that the Razor Crest had to be repaired, that it comes gleaming to the rescue. But 
how quick were those repairs and a track and beacon done, Matt? Well, I, I think the beacon is probably pretty easy to insert. You know, you pop open a access hatch and you you wire it through, you know, the power system or whatever. Um, is it a bit of a story conceit? I mean, maybe. But how about, I mean, we could look at it a slightly different way. The best guys on the planet are told by the planet's magistrate, uh, fix this, fix this good. Um Presumably, they don't have um, major limitations towards, you know, um, you know, raw scrap um, metal to patch the holes. Presumably, they have plenty of welding this and wiring that and whatnot. Um, I would kind of say it's akin to going to your local repair shop instead of needing to wait for when they have an opening in the schedule. And who knows which of the folks in the back is going to work on it if the owner comes out and says... You know, you and you stop what you're doing, fix this car up, spare no expense. I think you're going to get a car that's running pretty well, pretty quickly, especially if we give the show the conceit of they don't need to send out a UPS or a FedEx to get parts. It's just all there ready to go. You know, how long does this mission take? I'll put a number on it. Six hours. You know, again, maybe that's stretching things a little bit. But Pete, orange face guy, he's one heck of a repair dude. (laughs) dirty corrupt repair dude um we know from the previous episode that the imperial gazanti freighter that bokatan and her mandos stole um was heading back to a fleet we have this imperial cruiser at the end clearly not a one ship fleet where's the fleet um i i guess just just out there in the the expanses of the outer rim. That's what makes the outer rim so outer. You know, it's so spread out and it's so mysterious and it's got so many unknown worlds and quiet corners, etc. So I've I've delayed it enough. We will now talk about what is uh, in the scientific corridor where Moff Gideon appears at the end of the episode. If you don't want to definitively know what these are, it's in the descriptive audio, so it's it's canonical, it's official. They're not going to put something there that uh, isn't real. Might be time to tune out. So Pete, what is it? Dark Troopers, Matt, they are reaching hard into the novels, into video game lore here. Not said, you know, what version. There were three versions uh, that were uh, used across multiple media, uh, but that it is officially name-checked in this descriptive audio. And again, I'm watching it look to me like TIE Fighter pilots. All right, that'd be cool. Like, you, you soup up TIE Fighter pilots with the Force. Maybe they won't miss all the time. So Dark Troopers being more dark than Death Troopers? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so they're robotic, partially organic at one point, if I'm remembering correctly from reading uh, some of the novels. Um, but uh, the, the force bound in there as well. And, and what's the upshot of what's happening here? Okay, so we know that uh, Gideon wants the child. He told Mando and company, you think you have 
you think you know what you have, you don't. Soon it'll be mine. You didn't get it. Um, and really now, halfway through the season, we are completely out of footage from trailers, which is a minor miracle in its in itself. Okay, we have four episodes left, and now we have Mando unknowingly heading to Corvus, bringing the Imperial Remnant to Ahsoka's door. Uh, I think one of the story benefits of having um, robotic troopers potentially ahead of us uh, is, is this. And I'm reminded of the, the commentary track for uh, Hellboy that Guillermo del Toro did way back when, um, where he talked about how they wanted to have a PG-13 rating, so they needed to have things that were a proxy for blood. Uh, there's a fight in a subway station where it's like the gumball machine and the bench and things like that that can be kind of not splashing the way blood is, but, you know, you slice at something and a tentacle goes flying and then the gumballs fall. And that's kind of your, again, your proxy for the, the blood and the splatter and whatnot. Similarly, of course, Star Wars, you know, uh, no stranger to the stormtrooper gets shot and falls down and doesn't bleed because laser um, but imagining if you have robotic guys similar to the uh, to, to the jailbreak episode in the first season, you know you can you can rip off a robot's arm and then oh it's oil that's spurting everywhere and it's you know you can smash the head off and there's sparks and bits of wire. It's not brainstem. It's not spine. You know that that sort of thing. So I think there's some delicious story possibilities ahead in terms of in terms of Pete. If I could reference another. Uh, apple in the in the disney tree uh it could be a lot of fun when it's clobbering time so i talked to about where this all could be going and now that we're establishing firm links sequel trilogy imperial experiments using the force palpatine we know shows up rise of skywalker all this really part of some grand plan uh as that through line okay Maybe that I'm, I'm saying maybe, uh, but perhaps this series ends because you gotta have child in all of the Mandalorian, right? Like, do you want to watch a childless Mandalorian? Do we even want to contemplate such a thing? Not that it could be interesting, okay? And even when he's out of this episode, he's still, you know, the the specter of him looms large. But what if the end of this series? Okay, is the Mandalorian arriving on what other planet it is where Master Luke Skywalker's Jedi Temple is? We hand a child over at the end of a series, and the concept of the the fall of Luke's school, the images of the the burning temple the unclear nature was the child in that catastrophe we will be the luke skywalker kneeling over in pain was the child in there was he not certainly i think there is there's plenty of potential to say you know a year out or whatever to say hey mark hamill what would it take for what would it take for you to come back for three scenes? You know, we're, we're in, 
Manhattan Beach, we're in Burbank, wherever it is, it's the Los Angeles area. What would it take? You know, okay, are, are you going to grow the beard? Are, you, are we going to do a stick-on beard? You know, what what is it? And is that the, you know, is it yes? Is it no? I feel like Mark Hamill is pretty game. Probably, you know, if they if they meet the number uh, for you know his for his fee, so be it. But if they if they decide to go in another direction, here's my point: Mark Hamill's not interested, or he's officially retired, or he's not available, you know, whatever it is, you know. Does it need to end at that point? No. But I think part of the push-pull that is this series is the promise in the very beginning that it's completely disconnected from everything. It is literally just, you know, the man with no name but Star Wars. Um, Oh, and you're going to get this little reference there. Oh, and the client is wearing an Imperial um, medal or something. Oh, and there's also Stormtroopers. Oh, and... Uh, as we better understand the sequel trilogy, um, we now can, you know, we now have a better understanding throughout the the, the course of those movies that um, the the remnants of the Empire were always out there, and, and so on and so forth. And to slowly develop this more complex existence. Um, furthermore, I mean, if there's one hallmark of Star Wars, it's that the adventure always continues past the current story. So the notion that you're going to get potentially to the end of this series after X number of seasons and then say, but wait, where's my schoolmaster Luke story? I mean, A, that's right where Star Wars likes to be just in terms mm-hmm. of even 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 turning a blind eye to, and they do the comic books, the novels, the spinoff, the this, the that. And they've um, started doing some of that in the comics. It's not as if they're not telling master luke young ben solo stories there but continue but but just this idea that it's baked into the the basic star wars playbook to be able to do that Mm -hmm. uh and i think that that's that could be a very logical place to end you know as with any of these movies that have that have ended with you know we've reached an end point but there still is work to be done you know nobody thought at the end of return of the jedi um all right, the empire is completely gone. Just as with every war, you sit and go, and then the you know, American Civil War, for example, Lee uh, surrenders. There then is a couple months still of fighting as things get mopped up and word gets out there, et cetera, et cetera. So that could be a fun way. Pete, I like that you've planted your flag this early, this number of years in the future to say Mark Hamill returns for a series finale. Well, I mean, if not Mark Hamill, have you seen the comparisons of Sebastian Stan and Mark Hamill? Um, no, but now that I conjure it, I mean that wouldn't be that wouldn't be the worst thing either. They are tremendously close, and you know, hey, Falcon and the Winter Soldier set. We need to borrow. Let's stick Sebastian in the volume here. Wait, all right, you got a Jedi cape. We only need to see the the chin uh mark's gonna do the dialogue like there are ways to do it i i think the only obstacle is restraint and how far you do it and then matt if you're gonna do as i've advocated and i will pitch to whoever i need to the animated adventures of luke skywalker ben solo and now add the child story and then maybe ahsoka if she survives all this stuff uh, comes in and out and and do that show. I mean, Dave Baloney, call me. I, I'm I'm ready to write it. I'm ready to run it. P 
Pete, your wolf shirt is ready to be put on as soon as he calls. Uh, speaking of Ahsoka, I, I know I kind of threw rocks at this earlier, but can I get an official Pete comment as to something that I saw online earlier in the week, which is uh, the Mandalorian was tasked with going to find a Jedi. Ahsoka Tano is not a Jedi. She was a Padawan who did not complete her training. Therefore, she cannot claim to be a Jedi, despite the fact that she can wield a lightsaber and lift things with her mind and has gone on all sorts of adventures as like the inner, inner, inner circle of the galactic um the, the, the Galactic Republic and whatnot, but uh, hashtag she's not a Jedi also probably implied uh, she scares me because she's a girl. Your thoughts, Pete? As you said everything I need to say, I, I'm not going to dignify that with a further response. All right, let's extend that antenna. Our poll this week, Pete, there's a new marshal in town on The Mandalorian, but how many new Republic stars would you give Chapter 12? Vote then reply. The X-Wing pilots need you. Uh, the choices were one <laughs> marshal star, low M count, got 3.1%. Two uh, stars, ship-fixing spy, got 0%. Three stars, school of Star Wars, got 31.3%. And four stars, sweet siege, got 65.6 percent we heard from james it's at big killen who said another fun offering carl weathers did a great job on both sides of the camera the visuals were great coming off like the best of the video games but ahsoka better be next andre yeager that's after that's at dr polo 1983 pete no relation to dr pershing by the way uh andre says nice setup episode we now know what gideon wanted the child for was he responsible for creating Snoke? Inquiring minds want to know. Not happy we didn't get Ahsoka this week, but patience is a virtue. I did like the episode, though. We heard from e, uh, Ezil Galoff. That's at Dr. What? W-U-T-T. It'd be great if you got rid, got rid of or recast Cara Dune. No room for hate in my Star Wars. Pete, hashtag fire Gina Carano. Um, Pete, I suspect the story... I suspect that Star Wars Inc. and Favreau and whatnot will move in whatever direction best serves the story. I would not be eager to be uh, Ms. Carano's agent and looking forward yeah. to my, my 10% of Star Wars money. Um, but uh, words have consequences. They, they do. And yeah, it's, it's the thing is baffling. Um, I'm Particularly pretty... since you could just not favorite those tweets that yeah. that you, Gina Carano, might personally agree with in regards to, uh, you know, gun rights or conservative views or, or, or even dare say, not, not that I condone it, but even dare say, you know, anti-trans views or whatever it might be. Right. The, the belittling by changing your your social media handle and then the theatrics of the grand exit to parlor last week which was not a grand exit i mean just stop but it, if she's not and she has to be cognizant of how she's harming her involvement in this universe and and matt it's all supposition she may have filmed her last scene knowingly unknowingly to to this point i mean where the character is at a crossroads here's a here's a new republic badge uh marshall we need you 
I mean, she may have filmed her her death at this point. We don't know. Um, and and maybe her, and it is free speech, albeit you know really really rough speech, uh, and mocking speech. Um, to to be doing this right now might be with the freedom of uh, she don't have the 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 Mickey paycheck coming anymore. Uh, but before we get to the last tweet, I'm reminded of something I saw on social media in the last uh, couple days. It's one of these things where, like, I don't know if it's actually a true story, but it goes like this. Uh, high, highly thought of job candidate has a job interview, you know, 9 o'clock in the morning on Monday. Um, it, is, is brought into the lobby where he's unwilling to make small talk with the receptionist who's just trying to be like, how are you? What's going on? What do you think of the weather today? And he's kind of too good for that discussion. Uh, barely will acknowledge her. Uh, you know, finally takes a seat, gets called into the interview where the receptionist sits at the head of the table and says, in this company, all members are valued. I'm the person interviewing you for the job. I'm not a receptionist. I'm the project manager. You seem not to appreciate everyone on the team. So we're not going to continue with this interview. Point being value everyone on the team particularly in an industry uh, like hollywood which is diverse etc etc but pete um let's move on to the last tweet which which hopefully doesn't oh no it's going to mention uh ms carano again but we hear from spider ham lincoln that's at tess lc 139 this was another great episode in the always entertaining star wars style loved the get in get out mission great to see mithril again and i hope it's not the last time I felt constantly distracted, though, by the Gina Carano controversy, and that's really too bad. So, uh, Pete, I think all of us rowing in a similar direction here uh, on that particular topic, and uh, and them's the breaks. Do you have any feedback from Faceback? <laughs> I do. I'll, I'll just one other note on Carano. I mean, we get it. The the character, the actress, the unfortunate and pathetic things she's saying they are different we like Cara Dune but yeah it can can make it difficult to to root for that character anymore and and it's strange how that works with that to the fake back uh Wes Lockhart writes into the Fantastic Geek Facebook page uh loved this episode he's referring to a chapter 11 the heiress last week they keep getting better and better this is the way uh pete (laughs) distractions aside this an episode indeed the way And, and you know on the one hand does this feel like filler because we're not getting deep legend cuts and deep references to other shows and other characters and whatnot i mean on the one hand, yes. On the flip side, uh, you know, it is a getting get out mission. It is a smash and grab. It's high action. It's action adventure. It's as Star Wars as anything else. Matt, Mary Jane Dizak, and again, I, I hope I'm saying that uh, properly. It's spelled D Z I A K, Dizak, maybe. Uh, she's going to put it all in perspective here with her sage words to the Fantastic Geek Facebook page. She wrote in, so sorry to hear on your cast that Gina Carano is not the person I had hoped she was. And I think I'm, I'm going to extend that we all did, Matt. Uh, I can only say that it is difficult to believe that given her history, Cara Dune held 
the same viewpoints. Let me add that you geeks are doing a great job. The depths to which you dive are astounding. Ah, well, thank you for those kind words there. And uh, um, yeah, I'll just echo her words. I know you had said it just a little while ago as well, Pete. The the It would be a shame to lose the Cara Dune character because real life... Um, real life or business uh, considerations or, you know, all of that. The things in the real world somehow impacted it. What is nice to know is that the variety of ways in which Star Wars stories can be told, you know, those are super appreciated. Um, At a couple of points during the course of this podcast, I've just reflected on uh, something I've referenced before, which is the the two uh, Star Wars novels from the 90s, um, Tales from the Mos Eisley Cantina and Tales from Jabba's Palace, the latter one particularly standing out where it's like, you know, the, the conceit of it is essentially every single person who you see there gets their own short story. And some of them are interesting or some of them not. But, you know, the woeful tale of the Gamorrean guard who ends up getting devoured by the Rancor, you know, there's a whole novel backstory to that. And while I don't remember the particulars, that's a character who lives on in my memory better because of the extended stuff than just the time they had on screen. Um, it's, it's been extended by the novel. So, you know, a, a bright future for the character of Cara Dune, regardless of what twists and turns might happen in, uh, in this galaxy and in this time. Last piece from Facebook here, Matt. Steve Adams writes in, please tell me you're going to do an episode for the Lego Star Wars holiday special. Uh, indeed. Glad to talk about it later in the week, uh, particularly over there on Patreon. Pete, this an episode with a, a, a menacing baddie, that of course Moff Gideon, if he had a polar opposite. You know, I know the Force likes... What's the, the the twinning phrase that got magically introduced for the first time in in uh, in uh, Rise of Skywalker? The the Force pairs. What's it called? A dyad. The dyad. The opposite of the evil Moff Gideon is, of course, the Moff of good, Ma- Grand Moff of the Republic, Fred from the Netherlands. Hello, Matt and Pete, and all listeners to Fantastic Geek. This is Fred from the Netherlands. With some feedback for The Mandalorian Season 2, Episode 4. Well, you can call this an action-packed episode. Well, what can you expect when they bring in Grief Karga and, above all, Cara Dune? A lot of humor, m- mainly caused by Mithol. At several points I thought, okay, he will be the red shirt, he won't survive. But he did. Oh, sorry about red shirt, wrong series. And how many stormtroopers can you kill with just four people? It really is Star Wars. The funniest part, although fully expected, is when the Mandalorian was chasing these Imperial fighters with the Razor Crest that the child had a kind of amusement park roller coaster experience. With eating too much candy, I would fully expect that he would throw up. And he did. But it still was funny. And what is this with Star Wars and canyons? They always chase through canyons. In this case it was a lava canyon. And in the previous episode it was a snow canyon. And if it's not a canyon on a planet or a moon, then it's a kind of canyon on a Death Star or something like that. 
I think I should accept that as a standard Star Wars trope. If there is not a Kenyan in a Star Wars movie or let's say five episodes of a series, it's not Star Wars. It must be something else. And on the other hand, it always works uh, in bringing tension. Another one is the one that Mittal has to do when he had to switch off the cooling system there with a kind of big cylinder where you can fall down and you have no uh, railing or something like that. It really reminds me of a lot of Star Wars situations, none the least with Dark Vader. It starts to feel a little bit like a, what would I say, a knighthood story or a fairy tale story where a knight has to do seven tasks before he reaches his goal. The Holy Grail or being allowed to marry the princess or whatever. So with this Mandalorian it's the same. He has to reach in between goals to go or to be able to go further. So in that sense we can expect a big bang at the end that he has to slay the dragon there. Oh no, sorry, he already did that. He already slaughtered the great dragon. So it must be even bigger than that. It's, uh, it's more or less even, although I don't play it, but I see my sons play it like a computer game. And then you go a step further or a level further, and then at the end you have the big boss to defeat. So the series is full of tropes and storytelling models, but nevertheless, I do like it. It, it seems that they are proven concepts. And unfortunately, I'm not good enough in my Star Wars canon to make a link between this kind of super soldiers, I think, that Moff Gideon is trying to build there. You will probably explain. Okay, that was all for now. Looking forward to the next episode. Greetings, all the best. Fred from the Netherlands. From that galactic seat he sits in, on Chandrella Matt. Uh, Fred talking about the humor courtesy of Mithril here. Of course, we agree. Um, glad to see that our blue friend doesn't die in the end. Yeah, which was not on my radar. Now will be on my radar uh, whenever Mithril does return, which I would say is you know better odds than not. Um, also, Pete, Fred, a medical man himself, uh, having pursued a degree in the sciences before becoming a, uh, uh, first a galactic senator, then moving to the, the Moff hood, uh, he reminds everyone to mind their space cookie intake before going on high impact rides. You gotta do it. Uh, that with, uh, plenty of canyons, Matt, you know, whether they are, uh, Death Star canyons, whether they are snow canyons, whether they are lava canyons, what other canyons have we uh, out there yet to maybe we could do some crystal canyons? Um, yeah, could be crystal. It, it is. I mean, clearly the whole canyon run in this episode was, was meant to be evocative of other Star Wars things. I do wonder at what point. At what point. Is it not at what point is it a little less tongue in cheek and they sit and go, Well, I don't want to do like Mandalorian has already done a couple of canyon runs. Now we kind of can't go near that, even though well, that's it's a real... where it becomes the joke. Like, w what did you think? I was gonna make a trench run, yeah, yeah, I suppose so. I mean, you know, that's where we're at with the with the uh 
the lack of railing, right? I'm not going in the in the trench. They there's one way in and one way out. They'll <laughs> they'll they'll get us. Same with the uh, yeah with with the railingless um, you know uh, controls. Okay, why were they railingless in 1976 when they filmed that? Because it was two feet down for Sir Alec Guinness. Uh, now in the volume, it's still two feet down to the bottom lit red lava. The floor is lava, Matt, don't touch. <laughs> um, but still we need to continue that. Um, I guess not even so much a trope as it, it is part of the fabric of star Wars trench runs, no railings. I also had to chuckle too, as Fred noted the the construction of this season and i suppose last season as well being somewhat similar to a computer game ironic since the show itself is made with computer game software in the volume to get that you know real-time camera moves and whatnot in the background as they use the led wall yeah and it's funny how the snake eats its tail here video game tech video game references now what with these dark troopers and you know we're we're in the blind for this second half of the season matt maybe ahsoka tano shows up uh well pete how can people share their thoughts ahead of this second half of the second season of the mandalorian how can they be in touch with you you can find me on twitter definitely never on parlor at peter p-i-e-t-e-r-j Ketelar, K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 11,692 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with a PH, all one word, like it today. For those listening on the Pop Culture Podcast page, indeed, as I check off Mando 204 on our schedule, uh, we, of course, will be back on the Pop Culture Podcast feed uh, next Saturday for Discovery 307. Going to record that uh, Lego Star Wars holiday special in the coming days as well. And if you're here just for The Mandalorian, back next Sunday for uh, the next exciting chapter of this show. With that, Pete, I will say adios to all the listeners and give you the final word. You want to come back here and try this? Be my guest.